if you've been here the last few weeks, you see that this week looks a little different than the other weeks that we've done. Um, there's no interview happening today. I have a message that has been on my heart that really ties into this series and what we've been, what we've been talking about. And that series or that message is called The Process. I have a question. Does anybody here work out? Sometimes, yeah, you just started? Okay, uh, we have some people on our staff that work out um, almost as much as they're in church. It's crazy, um, but you know, so those of you that do work out, you like crunches, like going for run, like pull-ups. I like those things too, but for me, they look a little different. Um, the crunches that I like are usually like, you know, when you eat Doritos, they're really crunchy, I like that. Um, you know, pull-ups for me look a little different. Uh, I don't do pull-ups like that. It's when I pull up my pants. These are really skinny, though, so that actually counts as a workout. And, um, you know, other things like going for a run, it's usually like more like I'm running my car AC. It's really how that works. Um, but the thing is, so working out is a process. Uh, you don't get instant results from it. You have to work day by day and do it consistently and constantly. Trust me, if I could go to the gym once and end up looking like Danny, that would be my dream. For those of you that don't know Danny, he's just a very physically fit guy, and I wish I could look like that by going to the gym one time, but that's just not gonna happen because I'm not committing to the process. I haven't committed to working day by day consistently and constantly to better myself physically. And that's what your life is. That's what this series is all about. It's about the process of your life. And if you look at a process, everyone, every process has a beginning and an end. And when you look at uh, the journey of faith that somebody will go through, in the beginning you have that point where you accept Christ into your life and you go through that initial uh, process of salvation and that happens at the beginning. And then at the end, you know, we all know that at the end we're going to, you know, be with God in heaven and be on the streets of gold and all that. And some people, you know, their, their attitude is just going to be like, I can't, I couldn't afford Air Jordans when I was on earth, but I'm a fly in heaven. And that's going to be me. I, I don't spend enough money to buy Air Jordans, but I know that I'm going to be flying in heaven. The thing is, we're going through this process of our lives and we have this end point, this beginning point and this end point of our journey of faith. But what happens in the middle? What's in between? That is where the process is. That's where everything that happens in your life and your journey of faith is going to happen. If you're taking notes, you can just write down the process is in the middle. And if God is with us in the beginning when we accept him and he's with us when we get to heaven, then we know that God is in the process too. So therefore, God is in the middle. I want to look at Matthew 14. This is the story of when Jesus walks on water, and it says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, and while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When the evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way away from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. Now, if you look at this in today's standards, you know, if you were out with your friends and, you know, they were going to go fishing, go on a boat, and you're like, hold up, I got to, like, just take a minute for myself, you finish up, and they're, like, way, way out there, you just say, well, I'm not going to swim out there. I'm just going to, I'll get an Airbnb, and I'll text them in the morning. Uh, 
barring the fact that Airbnb didn't exist, obviously, when the New Testament was being written, uh, Jesus was a little different than that. He did what is probably like the most baller thing anybody can do. He went and said, you know what? That's fine. But the next part says, and in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. He walked on the sea. Jesus is walking on water. But when the disciples saw him in the sea, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. Uh, I, I don't blame them for that. You know, most people don't walk on water. I, you guys don't, right? No. If you do, teach me how. Uh, that'd be really cool. But I don't know how to do that. So they said, oh, no, it, they're saying it's a ghost. They're terrified. Um, they're just running around on this little boat trying not to fall in the water, and they're crying out in fear. But Jesus is like, all right, guys, like, take it easy. He says, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. I think Peter is a little smarter than we give him credit for. Uh, because if you thought there was a ghost on the water, but, and they, it, that ghost said it was Jesus, you want to prove that. So what you're going to do is you're going to say, all right, yeah, if it's really you and I've seen you do all these miracles, I want you to tell me to come to you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to get stand up and I'm just going to dip my foot out of the boat. If my foot goes below the water, that's a ghost. All right, guys, we're turning around, we're getting out of here, and we're never coming back. But if my foot stays on the water, then that's Jesus, and I'm the second person in history to walk on water, and that's really cool. So Peter's low-key a genius here. He's saying, all right, if it's you, tell me to come to you, and I will. So Jesus says, come, come to me. So Peter gets out of the boat, walked on the water to Jesus, but when he saw the wind... He was afraid and began to, cry, began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. goes on to say, Jesus immediately reached his hand out and took him out of the water. He said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they, then they got into the boat. The wind ceased. Those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. I want to go back and kind of look through that. And if you have the Bible app on your phone, go ahead and take that out, because I'm going to have you highlight some stuff. If you have a physical Bible with you, that's cool too. Take that out, underline some stuff. If you don't even own a Bible, just grab one from the seat under you. Take it, take it home. It's not stealing. We're giving it to you. That's a gift from us to you. But we want to go back to the part where it says, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to the water. And he said, come. I want you to underline that. Then I want you to underline, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out, took his hand, and took hold of him. You see, in that moment, we had the beginning of the process. We had Peter saying, if it's you, tell me to come. The theoretical moment of salvation. And we have, Lord, save me, Jesus reaching his hand down and saving him. What we could see as the end of that process going to heaven. But what happened in between that? G Peter got messed up in the middle. He's walking along, walking on water, and then he starts to sink when he sees the winds and the sea. And doesn't that same thing happen to us? You know, we, we become a Christian at first. We're really happy about it. And then we start to go through life. You know, if you're young, you go to school, and you've, you're all super happy about your new faith. But nobody else is really happy about that with you. If you're out of school, you're going through life, 
You're going through the messiness of that. You're going through breakups. You're going through divorce. But you're also going through some amazing things. You may have a kid. You may be getting engaged or getting married. But the thing is, this whole middle part of your life, there's amazing things happening. There's terrible things happening. And what happened to Peter is he got distracted from God. And that happens, I don't know about you guys, that happens all the time with me. I'll be going through life, you know, and something will happen, and I'll just get distracted. And then you end up going down this rabbit trail where you're getting further and further away from God. And you start to sink. And then you turn around like, God, where are you? Save me. But it turns out, and if you look at the story, Jesus immediately reached out and picked him up. That means that Jesus didn't abandon Peter or leave when he started to sink. That means Jesus was next to him the entire time. Jesus never left him. And that, Adrian said this last week. He never, he cried out to God, where are you? But God never went anywhere. Adrian just stopped looking for him. That's what happened with Peter. Now, another thing I want you to do is I want you to imagine a road. You know, it's just a straight road. You got point A, point B. And in the middle of this road is a giant puddle. It's really deep. It's got some mud in it, all that. And you have to get from point A to point B. Now imagine you have to do that in, let's see, Danny has uh, just a little blue Dodge Neon. Now, do you, do you think that that little blue car can get through that puddle get through all that mud without getting stuck, without stalling out, without breaking down? Because I, I don't think it could happen. But Pastor James, he's got an F-150. That thing's got four-wheel drive. That thing's got all-terrain tires. I think that's the car that's going to get through the middle. And that's a parallel to our lives. Like If you're trying to get through your whole life in a little Dodge Neon without God, and you have to get through all the middle, it's just not going to work. You're going to get stuck. You're going to get stalled out. You're going to break down. But if you're going through life in an F-150 with God by your side, you got no problem getting through that stuff. You're going to do it. If you drive a Dodge Neon or any Dodge product, come forward. We'll pray with you afterwards. Um, we'll get you in a Ford. I think Jesus would drive a Tesla, but I can't afford that, so I drive a Ford. Um, but really, you, you have these two things, like these two directions that you can go within your life. You can go one way and be with God, or you can go the other way and not. And if you look at Scripture, it's very clear which way is going to be better for you. Uh, real quick, if I could have Jordan and Danny come on up. Um, I promise I won't talk anymore about your car. And Jordan, if I could have you stand right here. And Danny, if I could have you stand over here. This might take a little bit. It might be a little long, maybe a little awkward, but we'll get through it together, okay? So here's the deal. With this, we have kind of an illustration of our lives. We have where we started and where we want to go. You can move in just a little bit. We have a start and a finish. And we're standing in the middle. We're in the process. And we can look back and see, oh, I'm not where I used to be. <laughs> we can see how far God has brought us. Because salvation means that I'm not 
who I once was. Don't worry, it was dad last service, so yeah, you shouldn't feel bad. <laughs> the thing is, the old is gone, the new has come. I have been made a new creation because I am not who I once was. The other side of that is I'm still not who I want to be. I can't go to the gym one day and look like that. It's, there's a process. And so here's the thing. Uh, if I'm going to walk forward and I'm walking away from who I was, I'm getting closer to who I want to be. But here's the thing. When you're looking through this process, when you're going through the process with God, or if you're going through the process without God, it's easy to walk and end up where you want to be. You know, if my only... If my only thing that I want in life is, you know, I was broke and I'm just going to work really hard and get rich, that you can do that. But if you want something deeper in your life, if you want to live your life with God, you are at the point where you were broken down. You're not where you were anymore. But when I take a step forward, you'll take a step back. See, when you're walking with God, you take a step forward and God takes a step back. And you'll continue to take a step forward and God will take a step back. And you'll turn around all of a sudden and realize, I am really not who I was. I am so far away from when I was broken down. I'm so far away from when I was just living and miserable and I found God. But I'm still not who I want to be. And I'll take another step forward. And I'm so far away from where I was, but I'm still not where I want to be. Because here's what God does. God keeps moving back so that we don't become arrogant and prideful. Because if you look before, you can come forward. If I'm just walking through life and I just want to get rich and I reach to where I want to be, I'm thinking, I got this. There's no problem with my life right now. I got everything that I want. But you, when you're walking with God and he's taking a step back and he's taking a step back and you're like, oh, this is great. But I still, I haven't, you feel like you look back and you're like, I've come so far. But when you look to your goal, you feel like you've made no progress. And that's because you don't want to become arrogant and prideful. Because you don't have this. God's got this. Somebody, I've heard this all the time and it drives me crazy, is when you see like on somebody's Instagram bio, like, oh, God won't give me anything I can't handle. Yes, he will. That's the point. God won't give you anything that you can't handle as long as you're with him. Because I don't know about you, I can't handle anything. <laughs> no, for real, like, I still don't feel comfortable putting bleach in my laundry. Because I don't know, is that going to stain it? Like, is this, a, is this color safe? I don't know. When I was in college, that was the first time I ever had to use a washing machine that wasn't like a front load. I had to FaceTime my mom and say, how do I do this? I don't have this. If it was up to me, my life would be a mess. But God's giving me stuff that I can handle with him. So if you're taking a step forward and God's taking a step back, and you're taking a step forward and God's taking a step back, you're faced with two gaps. And God is giving you the grace for both of these things. Because you can look back and be grateful for that. Be grateful that you're not who you were. But then you look forward and you see, I still have room to grow. You know, something that a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of professors, a lot of people that generally do fairly well in their lives will say, is that they're a lifelong learner. Well, I think that as Christians, we are lifelong growers. 
We're constantly pushing ourselves and pushing ourselves and pushing ourselves because God is perfect. And Jesus was perfect and Jesus was the example for us to be. So if we're constantly pursuing to be Christ-like, that's going to look like we're not making any progress. I don't know about you, but if I'm walking towards something, I'm not looking behind me. If I'm walking towards something, I'm just looking at the end goal. And so if this, if this space never stays the same, I'm going to get discouraged. But when I look back and see who I was is a completely different person than who I am, that's where you find growth. That's where you're grateful for all of that space. You guys can go down now. Thank you. Give them a hand. You see, God is in this process. And because God is in this process and I've accepted him, I'm a new creation. Because of that, there's obviously transformation in this process. We've talked about all this. The one important thing is that there's redemption in the process as well. Okay? Let me tell you a story about Jesus on the cross. In Luke 23, it says, one of the criminals was hanged, railed at him. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself in us. Now, the important thing to realize is that he's being very mocking, being very sarcastic. Are you not the Christ? Why can't you save yourself and us? Husbands, you recognize that tone from your wives. But here's the thing. Jesus is going through this terrible process, and you got one guy mocking him, yelling at him, questioning him. And there's this other guy on the other side of Jesus. And he knows who Jesus is, and he can't move his hands, obviously, because he's on a cross. But you know in his mind, he's like, dude, cut it out. Like, do you not realize who that is? And then he says, do you not fear God? Since you're under the same sentence of condemnation, and we're indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. This guy is realizing, hey, don't you realize that we're the ones that are guilty of this? This guy, Jesus? He hasn't done anything. He's done nothing wrong. But yet he's being crucified in the same way that we are. Then he turns around and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, you will be with me in paradise. I want to look at that a little closely, a little more closely. That second thief, he went through this process that we go through with our faith. His was just a lot faster. The second thief literally met Jesus, whereas for us it's more of a figurative or a spiritual thing. This guy literally met Jesus, recognized who he was, recognized that he deserves the punishment that he's getting because he's done these things. He apologizes for it and he asks, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And he was given redemption when Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. The thing about our process and our story is it's going to take a little longer than that. You know, we're not meeting Jesus when we're dead or when we're almost dead. 
We have life to go through. We have the messiness of life to go through. We have all these things. And you know what? Because our story takes longer, it also is going to require a relationship with God. It's going to require us for, for us to stay involved with him, to stay in church, to have community, to surround yourself with people that are going to build you up. It's just a bigger process. But here's the thing, God's got it. All you have to do is believe and show up. And at the end, you'll be dancing on the streets of gold. You will be with him in paradise. And that gives me peace. That gives me joy. Because I know what the end of my story is. I can live with confidence that God's got this. You can be one of those Christians that's just dancing around. They're not afraid of anything. I can fail. It's okay. You know what? If something happens, that's all right. Because I know where I'm going. So I'm just going to dance around singing, I have the joy of the Lord in my heart. You could be a little weird. Most of us are. Some of us are a little weirder than that. That's okay. Be happy. Let's make church fun again. We have this joy because we know where we're going to end up. But I want to ask you, if you haven't prayed that prayer, if you haven't gone through that process or started your process, or maybe you did a long time ago, but you kind of walked away from it, and you said, I don't know if that Christian thing's for, I don't know if God is really for me. I'm here to tell you, I don't, it doesn't matter to me if it's for, if he's for you, but he loves you. And we love you. And personally, I think it takes way more faith to not believe in God than it takes to believe in God. And so whether you think God is for you doesn't matter as much as the fact that he is for you. And as a family, we are for you. So if you haven't prayed that prayer or you prayed it a long time ago and walked away, but you want to pray it again, let's all stand. We'll pray, God, thank you for the process. Thank you for the messiness of life. Thank you that I've had to go through some stuff because it's led me to you. Thank you for never leaving or abandoning me. Thank you for reaching out immediately when I say that I need you. And I'm sorry for the things that I've done in the past. But right now I'm asking for forgiveness so I can live with joy, so I can live with peace happiness, understanding, self-control, love, so I can live in the fruit of what you've given me.
thank you for this new opportunity. And thank you for your son. And in his name we pray, amen.